Uh, a good rule of thumb is 30 days. One of the reasons why the medium term rental strategy is gaining a lot of popularity right now is other states or cities that are substantially less landlord friendly than we enjoy here in Arizona. You're listening to the Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career. Hello, great state of Arizona and our Azria members. Welcome to another episode of the Azria Show. So, if you're here in Arizona, if you're in Nevada, if you're in California, if you're in Utah, Wyoming, anywhere across the Western seaboard, and then we'll even stretch out east, welcome to another episode. As we love to have you as listeners. So without any further delay, we have our executive director, Mike Delpreet. How you doing, sir? Wonderful. Thanks for having me, Marcus. Wonderful. Thanks for having <laughs> me, Mike. <laughs> awesome. And, and today we have Patrick Allen, who who runs our Tucson group, and we have some very exciting news on today, but I don't want to be the one that released the news. I'm going to let our executive director release the news. So, Mike, what is going on, man? Why are we doing this episode today? Why are we doing this? Great question. Well, I'm very excited to announce we are publishing our first book. Hooray! Yes. Yes. So, the, you know, to kind of give the overarching idea with Ezria, we do a lot of education, a lot of networking. It's it's like, you know, we're like a marketing company, right? So, I, you know, I'm, be, I'm from the music business. So I always love working for record labels and supporting artists and getting out their, their message and their word. So I kind of want to take that in a way here at Ezria. So starting with publishing content and books, right? And we were, what was it? How many, Pat, Patrick, like uh, maybe like a month ago, two months ago, we were, we did the Lunch and Learn together? Yeah, it was a few months back. I want to say it was like September, October this year, something like that. So obviously Patrick is, is an expert at house hacking, right? So, and before we go jump to house hacking, he's an expert at house hacking. He's our analyst and market update for the Tucson market at our monthly market meeting and our our monthly meeting for Ezria, as well as he's a subgroup leader for the beginners group that happens first Monday of the month. First Monday of the month. That's right. right. So he's, he's been, been with Ezria before I took over. So he's established here within the community. Everybody knows him. Everybody loves him. And so, you know, we're always working on projects together. So we we're doing the luncheon a couple months ago and we asked him to come on about and talk about house hacking. So if you haven't seen that episode, check it out. Yeah. And I was just impressed. I was like, man. We got to get this out of there, they, you know, get this information out to our members. I and mean, how else can we do that? We always wanted to publish a book. So we're like, let's make this one the first one. So no one better than Patrick Allen to do that. So, man, we did it pretty quick, too. Yeah. Said, yeah. Well, let it be known. This was all Mike and Azri's idea. I just I just show up and, and gave the presentation. And here we are a couple months later with an actual book to get out. Man, just no plan. We just go. And just take action. So, yes. So we got, what's the name of the book, Patrick? We just want to let us know. You could be the first to say. So the name of the book, which is available currently in ebook form on, on Amazon is House Hacking, the most affordable way to get started investing in real estate provided to you by Asria Publishing. Love it. And it's also available for print on Amazon as well. And also we have a big order in the works for getting some, you know, printed versions here at the office so we can 
have available at the office and not all the meetings. So, so yeah, so that's the start. That's how we kicked it off, Marcus. So that's how it all kind of transpired. So now let's, let's, let's tell people what the book's about. You know, first start, tell us who you are, Patrick. I know you kind of covered that a little bit and let's talk about what house hacking is, how people could achieve financial freedom, how you're doing it with house hacking, and let's just break it down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for starters, I went into a little bit of my background the last time I was on the Azria show, I believe it was episode two. So don't want to get too much in that, but just to kind of briefly recap my full-time job is I'm a licensed real estate agent, like Keller Williams, Southern Arizona here in Tucson. That's sort of a disclosure bit. I got to get that one out there. Most of what I know about real estate investing, I learned Azria and through the Bigger Pockets podcast, listened to them over the years. And I'd say more than anything, the market is what caused the book, this book to be written. And by that, I mean, compared to what things were like in 2019, 2020, 2021, we're definitely seeing a movement of the market towards less affordability. It's harder and harder to qualify for a mortgage to save up the down payment funds necessary for traditional types of investing in real estate. And we wanted to just get it out there that there was a solution. There's other ways to go about it. Exactly. So what's house hacking? What is it? Yeah. So I define house hacking pretty early on in the book as any combination of real estate purchase with a long-term investing time horizon, which is a pretty key point. House hacking is not a means of dancing in and out of the market over the short term. But so long as you are doing buy and hold real estate for the long term, combined with the low down payment conventional loan types, I'm talking conventional FHA, VA, USDA, any sort of combination of those two metrics right there constitute house hacking. And then obviously there's basic and more advanced forms of it. But because of that low down payment requirement that's subsidized by government entities, we are able to get a number of advantages relative to traditional investing. Well, that's great because that, that can get you into a property for little or no money down, especially if you're doing VA loans. And I know even some USDA loans are really, really cheap. So that's a great way, you guys, to get started because a lot of you all say, well, I don't have 20% down to get my first investment property. Well, you can come with little to nothing in order to get into a property. So let's get a little bit more specific. Give us a couple scenarios yep. as the types of house hacking there, there are. So yeah, you know, if you want to think about it at the most basic level, I like to think of it as there's three different layers of house hacking. And I like to uh, take the term house hacking as a little bit more all-encompassing than what a lot of people, a lot of folks will think. When I say there's three different types of house hacking, the most basic is what I call life cycle investing, which is pretty much if your parents, your grandparents own real estate, but not consider themselves real estate investors, but in retirement, they had a large portion of their nest egg of their financial or their net worth at, at retirement tied up in real estate. And that comes through the combination of long-term property appreciation combined with long-term debt pay down, debt pay off. So this is just buying a home, living in it, paying the mortgage off over time. If you end up needing a larger home, smaller home, you sell your home at the time, transfer that equity that you have, and that becomes a down payment on your second home. And then over time, as part of your retirement strategy, you're going to want to pay that mortgage off such that at the end of the day, you have, you know, $400,000, quarter of a million or half a million dollars, a million dollars or more in equity tied up in your primary home that is now paid off in retirement. So life cycle investing is really kind of your traditional just buying and holding real estate. Really, the only difference is that you treat it like an asset and that you make decisions accordingly. So, so what are those different ways? Like 
single families, multifamilies? What are some of the different scenarios you've done and seen people house hack? Yes, yes, and yes. I mean, house hacking can be done with any sort of asset type. If we're talking about life cycle investing, the stage one type of investing strategy, it's really any home that you would want to live in, to be honest with you. The only rule for this type of investing that we're talking about is that you are not allowed to pull equity out of your home to take it out of real estate. So you can't use it to fund vacations, buy boats, cars, anything like that. So long as you leave the asset in the industry of real estate, much like you would treat, say, your 401k, so long as you have the discipline to, can, or to keep using that as an investment via any home that you would be happy to live in for any period of time, you are going to expose yourself to a market, which on average tends to, tends to increase at a rate which outpaces inflation, even though you know, the day-to-day headlines might say something different. Okay. And then Patrick, you also have to, this has to be a primary residence, correct? So yes, if we're talking about the low down payment investing options, generally speaking, it has to be your primary residence. If you're looking for like a short or medium term play, you could possibly qualify for a second home, a vacation with a 10% down payment, which is you're still substantially better off than the 20 to 25% for investment grade in real estate. But generally, yes, you would need to occupy it. So guys, just, just to clarify, if you're going to be doing house hacking to get that low to no money down payment with VAs, USDA and FHA, you need to live in the property and then use part of that property as an investment, correct? Very much so. Let's go around that area, right? Let's talk about someone that's newer to real estate investing. You know, they're a little nervous to get in the business. They don't have the 20% down, right? Whatever it may be. So, so what are the scenarios they're going to go through, right? They get a house. And so you're saying you got to live in it, like Marcus said, as a primary and you rent out the bedrooms is where we're. Right? It's definitely an option. Yeah. And I would consider that in the third bucket of house hacking, which is okay. some, generate some sort of re- residential income. If you are living in one unit of a multifamily property, you can rent out the other units to tenants in a way that is detached from your primary residence over your primary dwelling. Or you could do exactly like Mike said, you know, say renting out a two bedroom condo, renting out the bedroom that you're not living in, or say what I actually did was buying a three bed, two bath house and trying to get two roommates. I never actually successfully got two roommates to stay in the property at the same time, but it still did okay for me over the years. Well, that's good, right? Like, so it didn't really work out with the bedrooms personally, but it does work. People do it, but there's some like skills you're learning from house hacking, right? Like you, you know what I mean? So it's like, what kind of skills do you pick up as a new investor doing the house hacking method? So I like thinking of house hacking as real estate investing on training wheels. And you can think of it from the perspective of it shortens the amount of time that you need to wait before you can buy that first investment property. So you can begin accumulating experience. It starts the clock sooner than that. And then to whatever extent you want to take on a, any level of rehab or to whatever extent you want to learn what it is to be a property manager, house hacking is a great way to get started in both of those. And so we've mentioned life cycle investing, which is just buying a home and living in it. We've mentioned the residential income route, which I consider the third level. So the one that we haven't mentioned right now is what we call the live in flip, which is basically taking on your very first rehab. And there's a number of reasons why it's safer and less risky in order to do a live-in flip 
rather than taking down an exterior property with hard money for reasons that we can get into a little bit later on this afternoon. But if you're unsure whether fixing and flipping is really something that you have the skill set and the tolerance to be able to do, you're able to get into a house hack for less money down and you're able to bootstrap most of the work because you're living at your job site. So there's not this really big commute time that you're having to go back and forth to get there. Great, great. I got a good story for you guys if you if you would like for me to share. What do you got? <laughs> Actually, my first primary residence was a was a live-in flip. So I didn't know anything about house hacking at the time. We had found a property. It was USDA. We put a little bit of nothing down and it just needed like a lot of cosmetics. We moved into it. We lived in it, lived in it for two years. And then we moved out here to Arizona. So that that's really kind of one of the ways I got my hands, you know, wet and into rehab. And because of that, it just, you just made it, brought it to my attention that that's what we did on our first primary residence. And Marcus brings up a really good point. So we talk about house hacking like it's this new phenomenon. And definitely the phrase, the term house hacking is pretty new, but it's just being used to describe something that people have been doing for a hundred years. And there's just never been a millennial approved word to describe it. <laughs> yeah. Get a, get a roommate, pay your mortgage or pay your rent, split the rent. Uh, well, is that, but that, that's what it does. So, so we talked about, you know, there's the house rent out the, you know, get a, a low down payment, three and a half percent. Leverage your credit, your job history, buy a house, rent out the other rooms. You could do it with multifamily, one to four units. Is that right? Is there right stops there? Live in one unit, rent out the other three. Yes. If we're talking about traditional financing, qualified mortgages, you can buy a property up to four units. If we're looking at five units, six units and more, this is not what we call commercial and it no longer applies for FHA, VA, loaned out payment financing, but up to four units, something that you can. And just to briefly circle back, Mike, something that you had mentioned, or I should say I had mentioned you had clarified about how I lost money on that first deal. When we're talking about house hacking and we're talking about losing money or having out of pocket expenses. Really what you're doing is paying a small percentage of the mortgage payment that you were going to have to pay anyway. So it's easy to say that, you know, in generally speaking, in investing, it's never okay to tolerate negative cash flow. And certainly when we're talking about traditional out-of-state investing, that's definitely a sound principle to be working on. But if we're talking about house hacking, you had a, you had a, Everybody has housing expense, unless you're one of the unlucky few that's still living at home with mom and dad looking for that first full-time job straight out of college, you're going to pay some housing expense to somebody. But in house hacking, you're able to get on the other side of the, the income and expense spectrums. Oh, so now your rent payment uh, for a relatively suitable property, something close to what you're actually house hacking, let's say it's $1,500 a month. Well, if you're able to flip that around, you're able to find something similar where your mortgage payment is, let's call it $1,800 a month or $1,900 a month. But if your roommate is paying you a thousand bucks plus utilities, well, now you are getting into the property for cheaper than the equivalent that you would be renting while also getting all of the other benefits that real estate provides you, namely appreciation, cash flow, debt pay down, and tax benefits. And you break all that down in the book. 
Yes. So the book is written to be super beginner level, super accessible. I have no idea what house hacking is, or I think I know what it is, but I want a little bit more of a complete picture about all of the different options that house hacking presents to you. Because in my estimation, certain aspects of house hacking get all the attention. Love it. So we are in our podcast interview. So I, like I said, I went live on Instagram. So I got a question. <laughs> Patrick, are you able to use potential income from other units of a multifamily to get approved initially? In short, yes, I would definitely pass that off to a real estate investing friendly lender to confirm all the guidelines. But yeah, generally speaking, you are able to use the incoming rents for multifamily, less so with single family. There might be some portfolio loan products that allow that. But realistically, if we're talking about buying a triplex or a fourplex, the lender is going to say you can only reasonably occupy one of those four units at one time. So those three units that you're not occupying, they do have a market rent that you can claim against your debt to income ratio. So another good point is that if you talk to your lender and the lender says you are pre-qualified for an amount of $400,000, that amount can go up. If we're talking about multifamily, it will be a sliding scale just based on the, the market income that you're going to be able to claim against that. Love it. Love it. Thank you for answering, man. So what else can we talk? Tell us what else? Because I know you go in depth. Like if you don't know what house hacking is, or you kind of know, you, you not only go into house hacking, but you go into, like you said, the, the importance of owning real estate. So what are some of the topics you covered? Yeah. So just to give a quick overview of the skeleton of the table of contents, we'll call it. We first start off by defining what is house hacking, namely some sort of long-term investment purchase combined with a low down payment loan. We look at the different way that real estate makes money, namely appreciation, cash flow, debt pay down, and tax benefits. And then much in the same way that I organized the initial lunch and learn, we compare house hacking head to head against three different types of investing in real estate that is often pitched as a great ways for beginners to get started. We compare it to traditional buy and hold investing, what's called out of state investing with the 20 to 25% down payment, as well as to burr investing, buy rent, buy rehab, rent, refinance, repeat, as well as wholesaling. And then at the end there, I threw a couple of anecdotes about the two different house hacks that I've gotten into over the last couple of years. One being a single family with roommates, the other being a traditional multifamily where I'm renting up the extra bedrooms. Okay. So let's, 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 let's kind of talk about the multifamily one that you did, if you don't mind. So how did you find it? Why did you think about doing the house hack? Kind of, kind of take us into Patrick's Allen, Patrick Allen's world on that one. Yeah. So one of the things that I like a lot about investing in general, but definitely about house hacking is that you can use your own personality to figure out what type of investing that I, that I wanted to get into. And for me, that answer was very much short and medium term rentals. From the way that I see it, there's a couple of benefits that short-term rentals offer that long-term rentals dealt. Number one, not only am I really, really bad at keeping my house clean, but I am equally as bad about cleaning my other investment properties. I have plenty of feed feedback on my, my Yelp review, my Airbnb reviews, just to say that. So from the very beginning, I wanted to engineer a situation where if I am consistently having my two rental properties cleaned through normal guest turnover, it would be cheap and easy to just have my cleaner, you know, come straight into my property and clean it up while she's on. And that way it can be... <laughs> Another little hack there. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a nice little little maid service hack. 
A little bit. Another big, a big reason we're recording this in early December of 2022, which means that not less than a month ago, my parents for only the second time since I moved to Arizona from the East Coast, they came and visited me. And I, I'll go ahead and say right now, they would. there's no way that the four of them would have taken the time to come out and see me if they did not have a free place to stay. So we talk about, you know, the legacy piece. We talk about, you know, making amazing things happen. The fact that I had somewhere that's connected to my primary residence that is beautifully renovated and lovingly furnished. It was an incredible week that we were able to have together because I have an app that I don't have a tip that's tying up for 12 months at a time. Love it, man. So, so you have, it's a triplex you said, right? It's a triplex. Yeah. So it's a, it's a duplex that's back from the road and there's a detached third unit. And are you, and so you, which you live in one of the units for this project? You know, so I live in one half of the duplex. And so my investment units is a two bedroom, two bath, the other half of my duplex, which I shoot to rent out for about $200 a night averaged over the year. And then the second, the detached unit is a one bedroom, one bath. That's obviously much more economical that I'm shooting for more like a hundred and 110. That one, we just got rented out and established as recently as October this, this past year. So the, you're using both as short-term rentals? Yes, short-term right. rentals. So I had much better success with what, let's call them traveling nurses, traveling corporate throughout the summertime. But now that we're entering January, February, and March, it's obviously peak season for short-term. So another benefit is having that flexibility to mm-hmm. hit mid-year and saying, okay, one isn't working. Let me, let me, you know, short-term isn't working as well as I wanted to. Let me go into medium-term and then I can flip back when the market changes. Can you just let everyone know, just brief, just for those that don't know what short-term and medium-term mean? So a good rule of thumb is 30 days. One of the reasons why the medium-term rental strategy is gaining on a popularity right now is other states, other cities that are substantially less landlord-friendly than we enjoy here in Arizona. They're ruling out a lot of regulations which say that you may not rent out this property for a period lasting less than 30 days. So a good example of this, what we're seeing happen in Hawaii. So it basically grandfathers in any current short-term rental properties. But you, if you, as an investor, want to own a place in Hawaii and rent it out part-time of the year to help cover expenses, you now may no longer do that on Airbnb unless the tenant is staying 30 days or more. Which leads into the midterm. Yep. God. Yeah. Short-term, midterm, long-term. And I like the flexibility. So it's like when you are analyzing these deals, if someone wants to go get started, you know, and do this, would you suggest they analyze it like a long-term traditional first, then get creative with Airbnb and stuff like that? What are your thoughts on that? Definitely comes back to your risk tolerance, but here's, here's what I would say about it. Let's see, how should I, how should I put this? If you are, if you're, if you're a traditional investor and you're catering to long-term tenants, you are buying an asset that is a lot more straightforward to just give it to a third party, to third party property management and saying, stick a tenant in there, make sure it stays occupied. Let me know if you have to spend more than $500 on a repair. It's a pretty passive thing. Uh, or at least it's a, and it's a more passive thing. So if I have an investor who is looking for long-term rents or for a long-term rental, even if they want to self-manage and be their own property manager, it's a much more passive endeavor than medium-term and short-term rentals. If you are targeting a short-term rental as your desired asset class that you want to get into, realize that you are starting a business. 
Now that's what causes it to be much more profitable than long-term rentals. Generally speaking, anywhere from two to three times, sometimes, you know, certain times it might be five times the rental income that you're going to get compared with traditional rentals. But there's a very real trade-off in that you have the greater possibility to make a great profit, but you also have a greater, much greater or a much greater likelihood that you're going to experience vacancy. It was entirely possible that your property will sit vacant for the entire year and not make anything. Whereas, you know, a long-term rental, once you place that tenant in there, it's a pretty stable level of income. So if we're talking about, do I want to do short-term or do I want to do long-term? The answer is, do you consider yourself somebody that wants to enter the hospitality industry and create a product that is as good or better than Airbnb guests are able to go elsewhere? If the answer is yes, then you have the capacity to make a higher return because you're taking on more risk and requires a higher skill set. So it just goes back to that investor identity, knowing exactly what you can do. And like you said, Patrick, your risk tolerance. So if you're not, if you're not much risk averse, then you might want to do long-term, but there's options out there. And we're very blessed to be in Arizona, which is a place that's not only very friendly to, to landlords and if, if they so desire to go short-term route or medium-term route, the laws are very favorable for that type of study in Arizona, as well as at the same time, we live in a place that people want to visit. Mm -hmm. you know, Phoenix, Tucson, th these are places that are really, really nice half of the year. There's a lots of cool stuff to do in both of these locations. And so there's a demand for travel. And, and there's also, like you, you mentioned, you guys mentioned the, the risk level. There's also a comfort level probably to the house hacking as well, right? Like whether it's renting out bedrooms in your house, living in a one, two bedroom, four, a unit in a fourplex, and maybe you have kids, you don't get, you have kids. I don't know your scenario. So I think there's a level of comfort to this. Have you found that for yourself? So there's definitely, with all investing, there's, you can think of it on a big spectrum where on one end you have the most comfortable living situation that you can find. And on the other end, you have the most profitable living situation that you could possibly find. And the beauty of real estate investing is you can decide where you are on that spectrum, which is why I wrote the book the way that I did, because at least from my perspective, somebody who does not want to be a landlord, who doesn't want to share their private living arrangements with strangers of varying degrees, they might think that there's no way for me to do any sort of real estate investing until I either have $100,000 in the bank or I'm comfortable letting a stranger, you know, sleep on the couch in my living room. There is a way for you to consider your, your home purchase real estate investing unit that generates no cash flow. You can buy something and live in it for a period of time, bank on long-term appreciation over a period of 10 to 30 years, pay that sucker off over time. You can take on a rehab and add value to the home if you choose, or you can buy something that's totally rent ready that an investor would never be able to make cash flow because you're getting into it for less money and you have the capacity to rent portions of it out to subsidize your, your expenses. Well, a lot there. Yeah, yeah. So Patrick, let me ask you this for somebody that's just getting started, what kind of screening should they do for their potential tenants? So again, it comes back to long-term versus short-term for long-term tenant screening, unless you yourself really want to learn the industry that is property management, that's the case. House hacking is a great way to do that. In fact, there's a lot of freedom 
that you have renting out a portion of your primary residence that you do not have. If you are a traditional landlord renting out, you know, a place to, to any, any, what we call an arm's length transaction where you're just finding a standard tenant. If you're going short term, you know, put in on the booking platforms, you know, Airbnb, VRBO.com. They have their own screening services. And if you have any sort of guest related issues, there's, you know, there's customer service that you can be able to access. And then somewhere in the middle for talking medium term rentals, you probably do need to have your own lease and you need to take on all that, all of that responsibility yourself. And there are, of course, companies that can help with that. And I know Asri has a partnership with some tenant screening services that, that, that you can access, but yeah, it really comes down to what that target demographic that you're looking for. Okay. Cause I know some people, they'll be thinking, okay, well, if I'm renting out bedrooms in my house and it's not a long-term tenant, I'm not doing a background check, everything like that. And they may fit within that medium term to where it's not like they're going through the third-party services. So it's like, all right, well, how do I know if this person is not a killer or rapist or anything like that? And I'm just thinking way off the deep end on a negative spectrum, because I know a lot of beginners, they may have those may have those thoughts and those queries about doing the, you, the midterm tenants. You could still, uh, the midterm, you mean, oh uh, yeah, you still do background, like Rent Perfect, they'll still do background checks on anybody. Great uh, lead in, Mike. That's where I was going. So you guys uh, can go to Rent Perfect <laughs> and get a lot of that information if you want to do background screenings. So that's <laughs> Rent Perfect. Yo, we, we got off track though. So we got back to your, your, your Patrick's triplex. So you got living in one, two Airbnb or short-term, midterm, depending on what's going on. So, so how'd you buy it? How'd you find it? Was it junky? Was it turnkey? How was it? I found the kind of property that every real estate investor wants to find something with good bones. They just put a new HVAC system in it. Roof was in good shape, but cosmetically everything on the interior needed to go. I bought in July of 2021. So I consider myself very lucky that I got my offer accepted because I did not get my offer accepted right away. But, you know, we were able to work it out. I barely got through the appraisal process, not because the property didn't appraise for you know, the, the correct price that it needed to be. In fact, appraised above our contract price. But the fact that the rents came in really, really low, it triggered this incredibly obscure a uh, rule called the FHA self-sufficiency test. In any case, all that to say that I could not have paid $1 more for the property and, and qualified for the loan. So it's, it worked out in that way, but I was very happy to tie up a sub 3% 30-year fixed rate loan on top of buying a buying the triplex that I was hoping to get into. I love where I live because it's close to the best bar in town. It's one mile from the Tucson bike path. And it's walking distance to the best dog park in the city. So again, when you are buying a property, whether it's a house, something you're going to be living into, it's cool to know that you can fit your own personality into, into the asset class that you choose to work in. And did you pick this up on MLS or was it like off market? This was an MLS property. So like I had mentioned, I'm a full-time job as a real estate agent down here in Tucson. I know the multifamily inventory really well. As a real estate agent, I specialize in working with house hackers. So I knew exactly what I was looking for. I knew exactly where it was going to be. I knew the maximum amount of property that I could afford. And so it was, I wish I could say that, uh, that, that I saw it and knew immediately that it was mine. 
but really it was the first property that hit the market two days after my pre-qualification was approved and I wrote the best offer that I could and I got that deal and I stopped and I stopped looking. Wow. Timing. Well, that's what I like about house hacking because, you know, like Marcus and I, we do the deal finders club. So it's all about off market, motivated sellers, distressed properties, below market cash kind of stuff. But if you're new and you don't want to, you don't have time, you're working full time to learn all that and put out the marketing campaigns, you can just go get, call an agent and go straight to MLS and house hack a property. And it's best to think of house hacking as a beginner friendly way of investing in real estate. And that's something else that we cover in the book. Although we spend half or more of the book's length comparing house hacking to other forms of real estate investing. And I build an argument for why it makes sense to start house hacking more so than these other strategies. But the reality is it's just one more tool in your investor toolbox. Okay. So what else? So what else about the triplex? So you yeah. renovated it? So you had to renovate it or no? Yep. So in order to do the short term, you had to, it works best if you furnish it. So yeah, I, I didn't swing any hammers myself. That is not within my God-given skill set. I have no desire whatsoever to take on any rehabs myself, but I linked up with a general contractor that I met through a referral, just a little bit of, of, of home equity that I had in an investment property that I had house like the first one, the three bedroom, two bath. That I, that I jokingly said lost me money. It funded, you know, the first half of my rehab. And then I was able to get one of the units rented out, established, bringing in money, got a, a new appraisal of the, of the property, which increased the value a little bit, is able to get a second HELOC on now on the triplex to fund the renovation of unit number two. And so now we got everything consolidated. Man, so now do you have plans on doing this again, like moving out of this triplex and going into another one or it's funny you bring that up because the answer for a long time was no. And, and by that, I mean, I felt very, very blessed to have gotten into the situation that I did. It's been a whole lot of pain finding a property. It's been a whole lot of pain renovating the property. It's been a whole lot of pain keeping tenants in the property. I still have not renovated the interior of my unit. I'm still slumming it. So very much the goal was to stay in it for five years or 10 years and just take a deep breath and, and enjoy being in, in a property that I, that I enjoy owning, that's making cash flow for me, that is proof of concept. And I wanted to just stay there for a really long time up until I went to the Bigger Pockets conference this past year in San Diego, surrounded myself with other likewise investors. I came home knowing there is no staying in, in a property for 10 years and just being happy with it because the, the, the reality is I want to buy more real estate. And if you want to buy more real estate, but not put $100,000 down to get into your next property, then the answer is probably house hack. And you can do this every year, right? Like, because the, the, the rule is, right, you got to live in the house. If they give you a FHA loan or whatever it is, you got to live in there for about a year. And then, you know, you, you rent it all. You move out of one of the units, you rent it out, and then you can go get pre-qualified and do it again. So every year, if you're flexible and comfortable, you could keep doing this. Exactly. Yeah, you have to intend to occupy the property as your primary residence within 60 days of closing. And then after that, if your situation changes, your situation changes. It's just a conversation that you need to have with your loan officer, who's have a conversation with your underwriter. But, but I guess to answer your question more directly, I don't want to refinance my FHA loan for, for a large part because it is a really low mortgage payment. I want to keep it back. So for me, 
that me that locks me out of another multifamily house type purchase. So what I want to do instead is maybe buy a single family home and turn it into a multifamily property via what I'm trying to popularize the phrase, the Frankenstein house type. What's that now? So <laughs> I don't know if we're familiar with the term, but I'm sure we're all familiar with the asset type. Have you ever been into one of those mid-century properties with 17 additions and you got to walk through two bedrooms in order to get to the only way to get out into the backyard? Well, we call those Frankenstein houses because you take a house and then you just start attaching random body parts to it until you get this monstrous property, what we call functionally obsolete. So yes, there's a lot of square floors, there's a lot of bedroom, bathroom count, but the layout of the property is not something that adheres to the preferences of the traditional retail home buyer. And so for that reason, as a fix and flip or a value-add investor, you're able to get into the property and correct this issue, make it a more functional floor plan. And you can collect a, a return for, for that skill that, that you that you have and that, that you take on. So the Frankenstein house hack is basically taking that same concept, but applying it in reverse direction. So if, I guess more specifically, my goal is to buy a three bedroom, two bath or a four bedroom, two bath home or some sort of home with a, let's say a shed with uh, water and electricity already running to it that can easily be converted into an ADU. So I'm buying a home that is zoned single family and therefore qualifies for, let's call it a 5% down conventional loan. But through a renovation, I'm able to create additional dwelling units. So I'm able to have, you know, I'm able to turn a single family home into a duplex, which again is going to provide me with the rent of the residential income to offset my mortgage payment. All right. So we can, we can pin that, the FHA, FHH. The Frankenstein house hat. <laughs> it's going to be a thing. That's your, that's your next project. That's what your goal is for your next project. That's my goal. Yeah. First thing I need to do is renovate my owner's unit. And then I need to, you know, pay off all of the, uh, the various HELOCs that I used to fund the other projects. Yeah. That's the goal next year to either buy a home in 2023, 2024, whatever it looks like. I'm talking to my CPA right now and figuring out what I need to do to make this happen. Awesome, man. Oh, that's sweet. So everybody, you guys can get the book on Amazon, special pricing as real pricing, 99 cent, a whole 99 cent. You can get the book and you can start your journey as a house hacker. Thanks to Patrick Allen and as putting this together. So what else, what else we got guys? Well, let's see. We got, so we got the digital and print version on Amazon. Like we said, we'll have print. We with our order of prints are coming into the office in the next couple of weeks. But for that, I would say, Patrick, you could check out Patrick January 10th, right? So I'm hoping they come in a few days earlier and we got books at the Tucson meeting. So it's the second Tuesday of the month. Come check out Patrick. He does the market update, very detailed, which was very good. The one you did for December, we got a lot of compliments on that. So thanks for putting that together. So yeah, January 9th and 10th, it's wholesale month in, at Ezria. So we're going to have January 9th in Phoenix at the venue 8600. We're going to do an all-star wholesale panel. We got Ramon Martinez of the Wholesale Sharks. We got Steve Trang of the Real Estate Disruptors. We got Jacob Blank, young, brilliant wholesaler. And then we have a legend himself from Flip to Freedom, Sean Terry, coming in as well to be on the wholesale panel. Marcus and I will moderate that panel. 
And then, oh yeah, most importantly, Tina Timbor doing the market update. So that's going to be a big event. So I definitely want to get you out here in the Phoenix. Maybe we can put something together for you, Patrick, to, you know, talk about the book and have you give you 10, 15 minutes in front of the group, the Phoenix group. I think that would, would you want to do that? Yeah, man, I'm down. I know we have this friendly rivalry Phoenix versus Tucson. We don't like, we don't like driving the, the road up to it, but <laughs> given more reasons to. Yeah. Then the next day, you know, on the 10th, we drive down to Tucson. We got to drive down. So. Yep. And yeah, we'll drive down there. Marcus and I are going to do a presentation on wholesaling down for our education part of the event. Patrick will do the market update. We'll do the haves and wants. We'll do the deal discussion. So it'll be a great week, man. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're, we got a lot covered. Is there anything else you want to talk about, Patrick, or let us know about the book before we wrap it up? Yeah, I mean, just, you know, again, thanks so much to Asria Publishing for, for taking the reins on this one. It's such a cool organization to be a part of because there's just literally nothing that we have to sell you other than the education and the empowerment and the motivation that you need to take control of your own financial freedom moving forward. So that's why we priced the book the way that we did. That's why we are working on different ways of getting the same information too. And then as far as you know, ways that you can reach out to me, like, like we alluded to, I run the new investor subgroup of the RIA down here in Tucson. So if you are ever in town and wanting to to be around some like-minded people on the first Monday of every single month. We meet up in person at the Keller Williams building down here in Tucson, River and Campbell, as well as on Zoom. So you people in Phoenix, Agstaff, Nevada, Utah, we are always simulcasting everything that we meet or the meetups that we do here in Tucson on Zoom the first Monday of the month, starting at 6 p.m. And what I like about your beginners group, can you explain the seven months that you go through and where are you at? in that process so very briefly the recurring the recurring i guess agenda that we have for those subgroups is uh, the first meeting is identifying what you are buying and why relative to what your investing goals are then we go to how to establish your target market which is what we just talked about how to figure out which niche or i should say which sub market within tucson is most likely to give you the type of properties that you're looking for Next month, we have Mark Ross from Good Stewart Lending coming in to talk about how to fund the deal as well as how to find the deal. So uh, using prospecting and marketing channels to help put you in front of motivated sellers so you can find deals to analyze. Then we talk about how to analyze deals first on buy and hold and then fix and flip properties. We talk about the inspection period and the purchase contract all the way from finding the deal, to analyzing the deal, to getting the deal under contract, to conducting due diligence. Then at the end of it in month seven, we have a seasoned of local investors that's always rotating to come and give you their real life experience of how they both made and lost money investing in deals right here in Tucson. Love it, man. So if you're a member, you're a plus member, that's free. Simple as that, 249 for the year. You get the two, you get two hours of class, right? Two hours of class, yeah. Unlimited information and Q&A. So, you know, Marcus, any last words from yourself? Yeah. If you're not a member of Azria, not sure what you're waiting for, go to azria.com. Go to azria.com. You can register right now. Become a member, just like Mike said, 249 for plus member. You can go to all of the events and that's for the year. I mean, where can you go and spend 250 bucks and get all of this education for one year. So not sure what you're waiting for. I mean, those are my closing remarks. Become an Asria member, get out. If you're unsure, come to one of the events. It's only 20 bucks. Be a guest. Come and see if we're a good fit for you. Love it, man. Thank you, Marcus. So that's what we got. House Hacking, the first Azria book. House Hacking, the most affordable way to get started investing in real estate. 
written by Patrick Allen. How's it feel to be an author, Patrick? It's a little bit surreal. Yeah. And like I said, could not have done it without, without you guys. Again, we're, we're just here. We're just here sharing information. We're trying to make your path to financial freedom a little bit quicker, a little bit less stressful than our own. Perfect. Perfect. Well said. Great way to end it. Yep. And lastly, guys, just make sure you know that the link to the book will be in the show notes. So you can look below, click the link, get the book. And our registration for all of our events will be also in the show notes. So again, I think that's it. Signing off. Congratulations, Patrick. Congratulations, Azria. House hacking, the most affordable way to get started in real estate. Love it. Cheers, guys. All right. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Azria Show with your hosts, Marcus Maloney and Mike Delpreet. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found this information valuable, head over to azria.org and learn more about our community.